On Monday, the Supreme Court of the United States ruled that the Biden administration is legally allowed to open the border by force to cut down razor wire along the Rio Grande sector of the U.S.-Mexico border in Texas. The usual suspects voted for this, Sonia Sotomayor, Elena Kagan, Kentaji Brown-Jackson, but they were joined by so-called conservative justices John Roberts and Amy Coney Barrett. So in response to this ruling, which shocked many, the governor of Texas, Greg Abbott, drafted a letter not simply to the administration, but to the world. And here's part of what it says. Under President Biden's lawless border policies, more than 6 million illegal immigrants have crossed our southern border in just three years. That is more than the population of 33 different states in this country. This illegal refusal to protect the states has inflicted unprecedented harm on the people all across the United States. Abbott goes on to say the state of Texas has the authority under the Constitution to, quote, protect itself, that authority is the supreme law of the land, and it supersedes any federal statutes to the contrary. And then, following very quickly, 25 other states with Republican governors signed a letter pledging their support to Texas and its constitutional right to defend itself and this country. Those states include Ohio, Florida, Utah, Nevada, and many others. And then the Biden administration responded. The administration threatened these states, and particularly Texas, with a, quote, 24-hour deadline to allow Border Patrol to reopen the border and to take down the barbed wire. Clearly a collision course. What happens next? We're thankful to be joined now by Governor Greg Abbott of Texas, who joins us by phone from India. Governor Abbott, thank you so much for joining us. If the administration declares that it plans to federalize the National Guard of the state of Texas, your National Guard, what will be your response? Well, first, I'll be shocked. That would be a boneheaded move on his part, a total disaster. Uh, but for one, as you might imagine, we are prepared uh, in the event that that unlikely event does occur to, to make sure that we will be able to continue exactly what we've been doing over the past month, and that is uh, building these barriers, uh, and whether it be the Constantino wire or other uh, anti-climb border barriers, whatever we've been building, the Biden administration uh, is now trying to attack us because of it. Uh, and we will continue to do exactly what we're doing to expand our denial of illegal entry into the state of Texas. It, the, with state employees, I assume, not with National Guard. But w can you envision a scenario in which you would put armed state employees on the border instead of the National Guard of Texas? We, we do have other armed state employees uh, on the border as we speak right this minute. And uh, that's the Texas Department of Public Safety, as well as other law enforcement officers, as well as National Guard from other states. And you can be assured there will be more National Guard from other states and more law enforcement officers within the state of Texas and other states. And, Tucker, I just signed a law, a new law in the state of Texas that will go into effect on March the 5th that authorizes any law enforcement officer in the state of Texas to be able to arrest anybody coming across the border illegally. Have you spoken to the president or anyone from the Biden White House about what appears to be uh, an imminent collision? I have not, to be clear. Uh, I have spoken to the president about the border. Uh, I met him on a tarmac in El Paso and talked to him directly about what was going on. I handed him a letter that had in it immediate solutions he could take that would immediately secure the border without the need of any new law to be passed. Despite the fact that I handed him uh, on altogether eight different letters, he has refused to ever respond. My point in telling you that, we have laid down the precursor of what's called Article Article 4, Section 4 of the United States Constitution to show that uh, we have been invaded and we have demanded support from the president to safeguard our state 
and they have refused to do so eight times. And that authorized me to uh, uh, declare an invasion under Article 1, Section 10 of the Constitution to make sure that Texas is going to be able to use every tool in our arsenal to defend our state. Uh, Of the couple of dozen Republican-led states who've pledged support for you, um, how many do you think would send National Guard to Texas? I'll be shocked and disappointed if almost all of them do not send. There, there have been about 10 so far that have sent National Guard or uh, other law enforcement. They now are joined together with us. And this is a fight for the future of America, and they all know it. And so I believe that they will all be in on December. It's, it's just a remarkable moment. Uh, and I know you're heading out, but my final question is, how do you see this resolving? What happens next? Well, Texas is going to continue to expand the border barriers that we are erecting, the razor wire that we're putting up, uh, and to continue to gain control of more land uh, over the coming month. I believe, however, that this will all come to an end on January the 20th of next year, because I believe a new president will be sworn in, a president who will actually enforce the immigration laws of the entire country, not just the Texas border, but New Mexico and Arizona and California and the Canadian border also. Uh, And we will have safe and secure borders once again because we will have a president who actually will enforce the laws of the United States of America. But in the next year, are you concerned about any kind of conflict between state uh, forces, whether state employees or National Guard and federal forces? So, Tucker, all we can do is be as prepared as possible, deploy as many people as possible, uh, do as much as possible uh, to put up more border barriers uh, and deny illegal entry. Uh, And our head is down. We're working hard, uh, regardless of what the Biden administration is doing. Governor Greg Abbott of Texas joining us now from India. Thank you very much, Governor. Thank you. Take care. The state of Texas appears to be on a kind of collision course with the Biden administration, with the federal government over the southern border. Can it be protected or must the invasion continue? The Supreme Court has waited on this to some limited extent, but it hasn't solved the problem or answered the question. So what happens now? Things are moving very quickly, and it seemed like there was no one better to tell us what the future may hold than the Attorney General of the state in question, Ken Paxton, who joins us now. Mr. Attorney General, thank you so much for coming on. So that that's the question. Where where does this go? It, it's, it seems like there are two large forces speeding toward each other, no one's swerving. What happens, do you think? You know, I don't think anybody knows exactly what happened because we're in uncharted territory where we have a federal government that has largely not just ignored federal law, not just ignored their constitutional role to protect the state and the country, They're actually participating with the cartels and bringing people here as fast as they possibly can. I just don't think we've ever seen anything like this in our country where we have a federal government not just not doing their job, but affirmatively working with bad people to do bad things to the country. I just I don't remember anything like this. So can I ask you stuff there since you're a law enforcement, you're the chief law enforcement officer of your state. Can you assess whether what the Biden administration is doing now is, strictly speaking, criminal? Are they breaking the law in how they're handling the border? I I think they are. I mean, they're taking federal law and dismantling it. It's it's he has a constitutional duty to implement what has been put in place by the elected representatives. Yes. And he's just not doing that. And he's making up his own rules as we go that 
allow the cartels to gain a foothold, a strong, really strong foothold in the United States, not just in my state, but really across the, they're building a network across the country so that they can keep doing this well after Biden's gone. So uh, just to like the next few days or weeks or months or who knows, the Biden administration has effectively threatened your state and said you've got 24 hours to do something. What are they demanding that you do and where does this go short term, do you think? You know, I'm not I'm not exactly sure what we're supposed to do. I mean, is it we're supposed to let them uh, help them cut down wire and fences? We weren't ordered to do that by anybody that 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 I know of. And so we have no obligation to help them violate federal law and we're not going to do it. And I don't think Abbott's going to give in. I certainly don't plan on giving in. So they're pushing us to help them and we're not going to help them violate federal law. We're going to try to defend our border the best we can with the resources we have. And, you know, my job is to do it in court. Abbott has other resources at his disposal, and I hope he uses every single one of them to stop this. He, uh, the, the governor, Greg Abbott, told us this morning from India that there are at least 10 states that have sent National Guard to Texas. Um, has there, has this, something like this ever happened in the last, say, 100 years that you're aware of? I know that they've sent different states. I know Ron DeSantis has sent troops, and I, I believe Ducey, when he was in office, sent troops. Um, but nothing to this scale, nothing since the Civil War that I know such a conflict has existed between the federal government and the states. Uh, this is really new territory for us. I think it's new territory for anybody living because we have not seen this type of conflict between the federal government basically ignoring all of their duties. And I can't even imagine actually Texas, when it came into the union, agreeing to come into the union if they knew that the federal government wasn't going to defend the border. That that would have never happened. I'm not sure there would have ever been a constitution yes. that was joined by states if they ever thought that the federal government wasn't going to defend them. And if, if they didn't, they couldn't do anything, the states couldn't do anything about it. That doesn't make any sense. Right. They didn't ever imagine that a dictator president would decide to change the population to win elections forever. Um, I, I don't think that even entered their minds. So w what would happen if Biden decides to, quote, federalize the National Guard of Texas? Look, he, he can do that. Any president can do that. I think that that pretty much ends his election possibilities. Not that they're that good now anyway, but this is becoming the number one issue. When you come into a state like Texas that I think pe people can clearly see we're just trying to protect ourselves from crime and, and terrorism yes. and a lot of bad consequences. I don't think I, now these liberal sanctuary cities know the same same problem. They've got just a little bit of what we have and they know that this is real. So I think it's becoming more um, Americans are becoming more aware. And I think if Joe Biden decides to force that onto us by taking over the National Guard, I think it's an automatic loss. He's done. And so, you know, in some ways, you know, we have to suffer with the consequences for a few months if he does that, which I still hope he doesn't. But in the end, he loses the election. Absolutely. If he does that. Do, uh, do you think it's possible that he will? I mean, I guess it's possible to know. But what what would you rate the likelihood? You know, I don't know. I mean, I don't really think Biden's thinking about this much. I think it's his 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 handlers, whoever's right. behind the scenes making those decisions. If I knew who that was, I could probably better give you an answer. But right. You know, I, I have no idea what he'll do because I don't think he knows what he's going to do. And I, after he's done, I'm not sure he even would recognize what he did. So if I knew he was making that decision, I could actually 
direct questions at them or somebody could, I think that would be helpful, but we don't know who's running the country right now. Yeah. No, I don't, I've never met someone who could answer conclusively who's in charge of the United States. Um, obviously it's not him. So what does Texas in the meantime plan to do to secure the border on behalf of the whole country, by the way, not just your state, but all of us, what are you going to do? Yeah, we're fighting for our lives. Uh, we are, we have several lawsuits that this one comes back to to the Fifth Circuit. So we're back in court on this very issue of them cutting down our wire. So it's not over. And I'm, I'm still hopeful that somewhere along the way, the Supreme Court will figure this out and realize the damage that they're they're creating for the states and the conflict that they're allowing between the federal government and the states that they, they should just not do. They should require that there, if there's federal law and there's a constitution, that it be enforced. So, but we have other cases that we're dealing with. We, we've got the Shelby Park case where we've taken control of that park. And I, I, I think the governor's just going to hold on to it. And, and I think we also have this March 5th date looming where we've already been sued by the federal government, by the ACLU, because the state has passed laws that go into effect in March where we can deport people that are here illegally. And we're going to do it. So we've got a lot of conflict ahead. We get the Bowie's case, which is also up at the Fifth Circuit, which will be heard by the entire court, I think, uh, in the coming months. So there's numerous cases where the courts still have a chance to actually force the president to follow the Constitution and protect the American people. Are you feeling the impact of the recent changes in the timeshare industry? Now, more than ever, the costs of timeshare ownership far outweigh the benefits. My friends at Lone Star Transfer are the only company I trust to help you get out. Our listeners' positive feedback demonstrates why I have supported them for many years now. For over a decade, they successfully helped over 20,000 owners. Lone Star Transfer's exclusive options help timeshare owners like you get out faster and easier than any other option in the country. They are the only company that will give you a written guarantee and release you from your timeshare in a specific time frame. With an A-plus rating at the BBB and thousands of five-star reviews, customer service is their top priority. For a free consultation and a guaranteed solution, Call 833-284-4739. That's 833-284-4739. Or at LoneStarTransfer.com. Attention. If you owe the IRS, this is an important announcement. COVID relief is over and the IRS is ramping up like never before, sending out millions of collection letters to start 2024. Do you owe $10,000 or more or have unfiled returns? Now is the time to act. The IRS can garnish your wages, seize your property, and they can even take your home or your business. Don't let the IRS take advantage of you. It's time to call Tax Network USA. Their team of experienced tax lawyers has already saved over $1 billion in tax debt for their clients. They know how to negotiate with the IRS and can help you too. Visit TNUSA.com or call 1-800-245-6000. Again, that's 1-800-245-6000. Don't wait until it's too late. Take control of your tax situation today with Tax Network USA. 1-800-245-6000. Call now. This is uncomfortable. You don't have to answer it if you don't want to, um, because it's not about you. It's about someone you work with. But for three years, the <laughs> governor of Texas hasn't done a lot to protect the country from illegal immigration, I would argue. Very frustrating to watch. All of a sudden, he's taken center stage, and he seems pretty resolved, pretty resolute on this question. Do you? Is it your sense that it, this is a, 
a genuine change of heart? I, it sure looks like it. I mean, I think just the just the the numerous incidences that we've tried to stop this legally, and they just keep changing up what they do. So we'll we'll win, or we'll get some version of winning, and then they come back and try something else. So I think I think he has become ultimately frustrated with this, and. Yeah. You know, once he's resolute, I, I don't think he's backing down. I think he will fight this to the bitter end. And he realizes the consequences of, of us not doing that is we're going to lose American lives. We've got kids dying from fentanyl overdoses. We know that we've got people crossing the border that are terrorists and we're not catching them. And, they're, and we know that we're going to be dealing with the cost of this for decades. And it's yeah. insurmountable if we let this continue. Yeah. So you, you mentioned a moment ago the cartels and their role in this. Can you expand on that? And uh, I'm not sure most Americans understand the hold that drug and human trafficking cartels from Latin America now have in the U.S. What do you know about that? I know that they have become significantly more powerful during the Biden administration because the money that they're making has, has massively increased from the time that Trump was in office because Trump was doing things like enforcing federal law that actually worked. And a lot of people say we need to fix our immigration system. Well, maybe we do, but we certainly need to enforce the laws we have. We know that it works because Trump did it. Since that time, the, the, the cartels have worked with the Chinese in importing fentanyl. We've lost thousands and thousands of kids and over 100,000 Americans to fentanyl overdoses, and they had no idea that they were taking fentanyl. And so the, the, the challenge that we have in front of us is we have the cartels making ten to $12,000 a person. So the more people they bring into the country, the more money they make and the more, more they're able to build their network. And they're not going to want to give this up when they're making billions of dollars on drugs, human trafficking, sex trafficking, other crimes, and importing people. I just, I think it's going to, as they gain power and they, and they gain more assets, that network is getting built out during Biden's administration. And the next president, hopefully Trump, is going to get stuck with dealing with that. So you're the attorney general of one state out of 50. Merrick Garland's the attorney general of all 50 states. If you know this, he must know this. Why has Merrick Garland, apart from the obvious answer, he hates America, uh, but why hasn't he done anything about this? So this, I think this is a plan. I mean, this is clearly a plan, right? This is a strategy. It's just like their election strategies. They have, this is a strategy that started on day one when, when Joe Biden said, well, we're not going to deport anybody. And of course, he brought people in like Merrick Garland who were fine with not enforcing federal law, who didn't care if the Constitution was was honored by the president or him. And so their goal is simple. I think they it's, it's two things. They want more votes, and this is a way of getting them here. And then they'll want to give amnesty. And they are bringing them mostly to Republican states. And they also want to hurt Republican states, I believe, because there are costs associated with this. And right now in America, people are voting with their feet. They're leaving California, Illinois, New York, Right. And they're going to Florida and they're going to Texas and they're going to Tennessee. They're going to Republican states because it's a better life and they don't have to deal with the higher taxes and the regulations and they're going to have a better life for their families. And so the Democrats realize this. Biden and his team realize this. So part of the, the way of dealing with that is, well, let's just hurt Republican states. Let's bring more crime for them to deal with. So it's less likely that people want to go there. Let's bring in more costs. So it's, they have to have higher taxes to pay for all this illegal immigration that they didn't ask for, that the federal government brought to them. So I think it's a twofold strategy. Harm the Republican states, do as much damage. And if it means some kids die or some people die, they are willing to trade that to get the votes and the damage to Republican states.
And people would say, how cynical. But I'm looking at what they're doing, not what they're saying. In the 1980s, when I lived there, California was the richest state, the least corrupt state, had the best schools, the best roads. And now, of course, it's a, the most corrupt state, one-party state, and it's un, unlivable. And immigration did that. No other thing did that, just immigration. So why wouldn't that happen in Texas, which has been their goal from the beginning anyway? It's going to happen. It's going to happen all over the country, it's, and particularly in Republican states, because that's where they're bringing most of the illegals. That is the strategy. Fill up the Republican states to deal with the problems, the crime, the, the cost, and then also, hey, there'll be more voters. They'll have kids. Those people will vote, and they presume that those votes will go their way. And that's the strategy, because if you turn this into, if you turn Texas and a few other states Democrat, we effectively are California. We have a one-party system where there's That's not right. accountability, there's not competition, there's not a way for the voters to change things if the system is rigged so that only one party is in power. And that's the, that is ultimately the, the strategy of the Democratic Party, create one party where the voters don't have a choice. So I think what you're saying is factually supported. I mean this with respect. I think it's very obvious. Why is this so clear to you and not at all clear to, say, 95% of Republican senators in Washington? You know, that's a good question. It seems so obvious to me. Um, I don't know why it wouldn't be obvious to, to most of our leadership, but it's true even in Texas. You know, we have a Texas House that is cooperating with the Biden administration to, to, to do a lot of bad things, including trying to impeach me. And I don't understand that either, but they're willing individually to, at least in the Texas House, sell out for power, for their own personal power, for their own personal benefit, instead of doing things like protect the state on election integrity or the border or participate in things that really matter to our voters, they're listening to the House Democrats who are directed by the Biden administration. And of course, our speaker ends up being elected by House Democrats. So there's a lot of infiltration. The Democrats have infiltrated the Republican Party and they've been very smart about it. And even though we're a majority state of Republicans, they control the Texas House. And so I don't know if that's what's going on in Washington because I don't have as much time to pay attention to it, but it's very clear and it should be very obvious to every American, let alone every Republican, that we are moving towards a one-party system and that is the goal. Is, is that the same Speaker of the House in Texas who was videotaped drunk in the House? Yeah, he's running for re-election. He's got a really great opponent, David Covey, and hopefully that guy will beat him. We're also running a lot of challengers against some of these very bad Republicans, and we're hopeful that we'll have a lot of wins, enough wins that Dade Phelan won't be speaker, and we can hopefully have a Republican speaker elected by Republicans and not Democrats. That's yeah. that's where we're trying to go. Someone who's and unfortunately, not drunk for the last the 15 job. years, the Democrats have, have, yeah, yeah, that guy, he, he's, you saw him. I mean, it was, it's clear it's out of where his priorities are. They're out of control. Yeah, yeah. He's, it's like a frat house down there. And not in a fun way. Uh, last question. I'm, I'm in Texas a lot. I have a lot of family who live there. And people I know who are in Texas every day say that it's very obvious just from living there, driving around there, that this invasion has degraded the quality of life in the state. Do you feel that? Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I, you feel it especially in the large cities, but it's, it depend, you can find city, other little cities that were overrun as well. But like, you know, you know, in Austin, I have to be there a lot. I live in more of the Dallas area, but in Austin, for sure, you see the, the crime, the fact that I don't really want to be downtown like I used to. I used to be downtown all the time because that's where the capital is. And I find myself not feeling as safe because I know the crime rates are higher. And part of that is this, this huge problem with the illegal immigration. That's true in 
I think a lot of our major cities here, and it's going to get worse. And my even bigger fear is this whole thing with uh, these terrorist cells that I believe will be are being established now because we aren't controlling the border. It, I mean, the schools and hospitals of Texas are paid for by American citizens, Texans, for their benefit. How could they possibly handle an influx of people this large? Like, what's it like to go in to the, the emergency end, it's, room it's, in San Angelo right now or San Antonio? What's what's that like? I think especially a lot of these smaller hospitals are, are going out of business. Um, they just can't afford the, the Medicare, Medicaid costs that they're, they're incurring as a result of this illegal immigration problem. And I think you're going to see more hospitals go out of business. I think, I mean, you saw what happened in New York. They were clearing out of school uh, so that, or uh, so that, Illegals could come to school, and the kids that are from there can't can't even go. That's going to be more and more of a problem as these numbers continue to increase. We're going to all feel it, and it's just a matter of time before the entire nation directly feels this, and that's going to continue to grow. Yeah. Well, there needs to be some very vigorous response to that because that's the destruction of our nation. So I appreciate Ken Paxton, Attorney General of Texas. Thank you for the time and for that explanation. Hey, thank you. Thank you. There's not one power center in this country, the media, the government at all levels and both parties, big business. There's not one power center in the United States that would like to see secure borders. And so, of course, we haven't had secure borders and now we're being invaded and no one's really doing anything about it. So it's just a matter of time before citizens who love their country, in many cases who have served their country overseas, decided to get a little more active in protecting their country. And that's why we're about to see the Take Our Border Back convoy. It begins on January 29th. Truckers, bikers, anyone who wants to come and protect the United States and demand that our government secure our southern border is welcome. They'll be driving to Texas. And one of the people who will help them navigate that state is Dr. Pete Chambers. Chambers is, true to his title, a physician. He's a former Green Beret. He was recently down in Eagle Pass, Texas, and here's part of what he saw. Doc Chambers from uh, Eagle Pass, Texas. Today's the 18th of December. We're out here uh, at the point of entry. 5,000 are sitting on the ground right now. It's increasing as we, as we go along. Information that we've received says another 7,000 should be processed through this particular point by morning. Uh, Joe and I have been here many times. Last time we were down here, we were in uniform. And now I'm a civilian and uh, in the army of God. So uh, we'll keep telling truths. And uh, you need to get this video to your legislators and tell them in the state of Texas, particularly, this is out of control. So not surprisingly, Doc Pete Chambers has been attacked by dying legacy media outlets as a deeply scary person because your country being invaded is not scary. It's all totally normal. We thought it would be worth talking to Doc Pete Chambers about what he expects to happen with this convoy and his role in it. He joins us now. Doc Chambers, thank you so much for coming on. It's great to be here, Tucker. So um, what can we expect with this convoy? Can you describe what it is and what its purpose is? Right. This is a peaceful assembly. This is what we do as Americans. This is how we get we shed light to a subject. This shedding of the light will result in exposing really what an open border policy looks like yes we know that that you know we know the problem sets in texas 
But literally, I could I promise you this, that 40 miles north of that border, there will be people that will never have heard of the border problem because they just watch mainstream media. Yes. And so this is what that is about. And so can you tell us the route of the convoy and who you expect to join it? Right. Uh, so so right now they're going to be leaving out of on the 29th, uh, Virginia Beach, which is where the 1607 Covenant, the landing, uh, which signified the uh, John Smith landing in 1607, where they played, yes. planted a cross on the beach and said, hey, we, this is a covenant to this nation, to God. Uh, and, and then they're going to leave from there and they're going to go down through Florida. They're going to cut across Highway 10 through Louisiana, Baton Rouge, Houston, into uh, Dripping Springs, Texas, where I'll be working out of, and then on to near Eagle Pass. Now, I'm part of the advisory of this. And, and, and as, I, as I advised, I used to be in that same unit that's down there. That's the unit that has a streamer on it from the Alamo. It's very historic Texas unit. And so they are down there holding line. And I know those soldiers. I worked with them. I, 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 I took care of them as a doctor with uh, Operation Lone Star. They're busy. So the, the, the convoy is going to go just a little bit shy, just a little bit to the north, really, uh, in, a, in an area about 30 miles away in Kimado, Texas, to a children's camp, a lady, a beautiful lady down there who has taken care of orphans and widows. You can't write this stuff in a book. I, I couldn't make this up. But she was overrun, first of all, by the COVID mandates that said you got to shut down. You can't keep running this shelter, number one. Number two, she was overrun by the numbers of, of volumes of uh, illegals that were coming through her neighborhood trying to get into her food pantry. And then number three, the cartels are a significant presence in that area because that is the end point of where they do the end around. So we are looking at the bright, shiny object that is Eagle Pass. That's a bright, shiny object. Look here. The droids that you're not looking for, if you will, are just to the north, right in that location. And so what, what this is going to do is it's going to bring light to it because we have to understand that there is a constitution, both state and federal, and that we have to, number one, expose those that argue things in the the Gellian dialectics, if you will, of tort law, and look at the Constitution, which is exactly what this is a focus. On the Constitution, we the people. That's why we the people will be riding along, mama bears, cops, veterans, truckers, uh, and going to that location to bring light. There is nothing nefarious about this. There is, matter of fact, I am suggesting to them that they, that they and they know this, they know this, that this is a peaceful demonstration. This is, this is how this will be. The following message is intended only for American patriots. I'm here today with an urgent warning. You need to start preparing now for June 13th. That's when I believe Democrats will make their most disturbing move yet to rig the coming election against Donald Trump. I'm Jim Rickards. I worked as a crisis consultant to the CIA and advisor to the Pentagon. And I've spent the last 30 years building high-level connections with some of the most powerful people on Capitol Hill. It's no secret that the current administration is completely incapable. But what they're planning next is downright dangerous. It will make Biden's inflation, immigration, crime, and economic failures look like nothing. What the Democrats have planned for June 13th will result in a complete social and economic meltdown across the country. You need to know the truth about what they're planning and how to protect your wealth, your retirement, and your family's safety before it's too late. Head to Rickards2024.com now to view my official warning video and start preparing for the impending chaos. That's R-I-C-K-A-R-D-S2024.com. See you there. Hey, it's Glenn Beck, and I want to thank you for tuning in to my friend uh, Tucker Carlson on TCN. And I want to introduce you to Preborn. 
When I decided I could no longer stay out of the fight to save our nation's unborn souls, I turned to the ministry of Preborn. They are doing the critical work of saving expectant moms and giving them support to keep their baby. Preborn partners with pregnancy clinics nationwide to offer free ultrasounds for moms facing unplanned pregnancies. The statistics are clear. An ultrasound doubles a baby's chance at life. Every day, they rescue 200 precious babies at Preborn. It is a miracle. They not only rescue the babies, but they rescue the moms as well. All gifts are tax deductible. Will you join us in the fight for the preborn? For just $28, you can sponsor one ultrasound. To save a baby's life, dial pound 250 on your cell and say the keyword baby. That's pound 250 keyword baby. Or donate securely at preborn.com slash tucker. That's preborn.com slash tucker. Who's paying for this? I, I assume George Soros is not. The private equity oligarchs and the, head, the hedge fund managers probably not sending cash to finance this whole thing. Is it self-financed? This is self-financed. This is gifts and go. If you go to the take your, takeourborderback.com website, there's a way to find that. But this is unlike what I saw on the border. And I can tell you who all the actors are with that. And there would be a longer discussion uh, where that money comes from. Um, Perhaps we should. Perhaps we should go to Mexico first and drive across the border at the point of entry and just say, hey, we need one of those bags of cash that you're giving out to the illegal folk. Who's giving those bags of cash out, do you think? That is, uh, well, it, it, it's many different ways, but uh, sometimes through charities when they do get to the U.S. side. Uh, sometimes UNESCO, a U.N. organization under the IOM, who is going to hand them a card, really. It's a debit card with a phone, and that is funded illegally through uh, the United States back channels uh, into UNESCO. And that money's been uh, tracked, and we know about this. We have the receipts on it, and uh, it'll just take time to keep uh, elucidating those that aren't listening in D.C. I'm I'm a little confused, though. I mean, if if you commit an armed robbery and I drive you from the liquor store to my house and put you up for the night, I'm an accessory to your crime, and I can be arrested. If there are U.N. Right. officials abetting crimes against the United States, why aren't they in prison? Why, don't, why aren't they arrested immediately? Exactly. And if, and if there are people that, that have taken an oath to the Constitution who are also in, in that line of, of decision-making processes, the U.S. Constitution says this, and this is, what I, this is why I know that everyone in the government should agree with me, the same oath that I took, they took. If they don't follow that, they're either aiding or abetting, they are uh, treasonous, or they are... Um, there, it is dereliction of duty. So yeah, there's a lot of things that should be accountable. And that is one of the things that is uh, that we're seeking is you got to shed light on it to get the accountability. I'm, I'm really struck as I watch massive protests in Europe against the, mm -hmm. the carbon tyranny for, by farmers, for example, right. uh, in Germany, that we don't have anything like that here. We haven't had a large scale protest against the people in charge right. since January 6th, over three years ago. And that, of course, was the point of persecuting the innocent that day was to stop future protests, and it's worked. Well, Are you concerned that this protest is ripe for subversion by the intel agencies, by the Biden administration, and that you'll be persecuted in the way that the January 6th protesters were? I'm, I'm, I'm not concerned in a sense for personal concern, but I, I'm concerned that, uh, that a bad light would be shed prior to, it already has, uh, and, that, and that's okay. That people have a right for that. We fought for that, but but it's not okay to disparage something that is uh, that has a really peaceful intent. But understand this: that because of comfort in this country, 
sometimes people don't stand up for what they believe is right. And that's a sin of omission. That is, that is, that's just as bad as being a perpetrator to me, in my personal opinion. So when I took off my uniform and left, and I, and I say this, you know, I'm in the army of God, there is no club. I think that they're trying to think there's an army of God who, you know, they're going through the books right now trying to figure out where are these guys at. This is just a figurative speech because I don't worry about what man thinks about me. I, I, I adhere to the law and I take care of those that are oppressed. That's what a Green Beret does. And I d didn't take off the uniform and just say, well, now I'm just going to go, you know, willy nilly. Uh, didn't change my, my character. So, yeah, I'm not worried about what those people think. Uh, let me explain a little story. This is an interesting one. You're going to like this. In Del Rio, Texas, about a year and a half ago, 17,000 Haitians showed up at that bridge. I don't know if you remember them under the bridge and they were corralling well. them under. We were. Right. So I was in the in the chopper when we showed up, got on the ground, 50 National Guards, probably about 25 DPS guys, troopers, and maybe about 15, 20 um, the Custom Border Patrol. Now, my dog and myself held them off for about an, a, a 12 hours on the border, just barking, right? Because we're getting overwhelmed. But at some point, they had to say, all right, we got to let them in. They're just coming across. That was the same time that that horse whipping thing, you know, he had the split reins. It looked like he was whipping. He wasn't. He was 400 meters away from me. That just was a camera shot. But here's what happens. Now we set it up. We got things under control. We're in a we're in a, an operations tent, and uh, and here comes the FBI and they come busting in. And I, I'll never forget it. Lady comes in wearing a you know Harry Clinton pantsuit and says, "Hey, there's a there's a white supremacist group out here, and they're you got to you know they're on the list." And I said, "Well, who are they?" And she said, "This particular organization. Don't remember. They were there providing um, sandwiches to us guys that were out there working all night and all day." And they were actually a Hispanic group from, you know, McAllen. So sometimes they might be a little wrong, but I think that the danger in this is those media sources that are actively provoking to do what's a globalist agenda to separate Americans does that. They act on it because it's a story, right? But they take the story instead of doing their own homework, they take that and come in and try to set the narrative with those of us on the tactical level on the ground. We just laughed at her and said, "Okay, thanks. Here's the flyer. Yeah. God, go get a sandwich from one of the supremacists." To the to the liberal white white lady mind, you know, everyone they disagree with is a white supremacist. Um, what just interested? Whatever happened to those seventeen thousand Haitians who stormed our country oh, illegally? Great question. Have they are they back in Haiti? <laughs> well, Senor Mayorkas, uh, he said that that was going to happen, and that's not what happened because we followed the tail numbers. The planes went to, uh, they flew out of, some of them flew out of Laughlin Air Force Base, which is the United States Air Force Base close to Del Rio. Some of them got on buses. The first or second bus that lit out of, uh, out of Eagle Pass, I'm sorry, out of Del Rio, uh, they overtook the bus driver and, and disappeared into the periphery of Texas. Um, and then what do you they mean, they, what do you mean they overtook the bus driver? They, like, they used force and stopped the bus driver and got off the bus and took then off. Then why aren't they Didn't in prison? I mean, what is this? This I'm sorry to interrupt your story. That's that's no, nuts. no. That this is this is our life down here. This is what we see. It's ridiculousness. So for me, I'm not surprised by any of this. Um, particularly that night, that video that you played, that was uh, 18 December. That was ended up being about 12,500. But the rest of the story. About 3,000 of them went to the Civic Center in San Antonio, and that ended up being a job fair for the cartel. So we followed them, we as citizens, and figured out what they were doing was the cartel guys would drive up, and then they would, it was like a hiring frenzy, like something on LinkedIn, but it was there in the Civic Center. 
And so we are, we are uh, aiding and abetting an invasion on not only on the border, but every state is a border state at this point. It's also it's hard, just hard to comprehend that no one's done anything about this for three years and it. It'll be a completely different country in a decade because of this and not a better one. Let, let me ask, you often hear um, this migrant wave described as, quote, military age males. You spent a lot of time there. Mm -hmm. What what yeah. percentage would you say are military age males? That has changed. Um, it predominantly was family units when I was down there a year and a half ago, a year ago. Yep. Uh, the 22nd of May was my last day in uniform last year. Um, now it is about 60%, and I'll just give you the numbers from that particular night on December the 18th, about 60% male. This particular group was primarily out of Venezuela, but when I get information that comes up to the border, because we have people all the way down into the Daring Gap that report to us, these are just citizens, former military guys, and they tell us what's going on. The next wave is going to be Yemenis. Think about this. They're bombing Yemen right now. The next thing you do is get displaced persons, just like they did in... Uh, Hadalat Rukban camps in the Syrian-Jordan border. But Jordan sent them up through, through Europe. These are coming straight to the Darien Gap and coming to us. So, yes, there are more fighting age males now per capita because of the fact that, uh, my, my opinion, most dangerous course of action, most likely, this is the spectrum, um, I have to think about the most dangerous. And it's to, it's to destabilize this destabilize this country. This is a, a Marxist technique. This could be mixed in with a little bit of Cloward Piven doctrine. This could be mixed in a little bit of Saul Linsky to create a need for us to have the government save us. We're from the government. We're here to help you. All right. Well, no, because your tweet that you asked out there, I'm going to quote it. Where are the Texans? I'm sitting there screaming, we're right here and come and get on a horse and, and we'll show you. But we, yeah. the people are going to, are going to expose these things because we have to this is our backyard and there's nothing humanitarian about this but we have to make sure that our legislators understand because i've lost a lot of faith i still have faith in a few uh they have to understand that they have to adhere to that same oath and many of them don't have an oath. we've we've done some foyas and found that out as well it's pretty interesting uh in the biden administrations particularly yeah. so, so these, me, i think most people and i'm sure you're in this group would would like to live in a country where the government that they hire and pay for solves these problems, like securing the nation against invasion. Um, but they're not, and so citizens are stepping into the breach. Do you have any hope that Governor Greg Abbott of Texas will change his longstanding policy of supporting open borders and and really crack down? Do you think it's real? You know. Since I've been on the border, I've done numerous talks on the optics and the reality of Operation Lone Star since I got out because I had to start telling the truth because I just couldn't stand that what we were doing was 90% optics and 10% reality uh, in stopping anything. Uh, we counted a lot of heads and we apprehended, if you will, the, the numbers on a piece of paper. So now there is a constitutionally written document that came out the 24th, you know, not two days ago. Uh, that is constitutionally driven. I love it. But we have to look at the way that they were arguing in court. And this is where I want, you know, the citizens to do their part. It's to talk to A.G. Paxton, who I, I admire and I've, I've, I've had discussion with, and say, you can't use tort law in the Fifth Circuit uh, amicus brief exactly. If you look at the references, they didn't use the Constitution. They used tort law, case law. And that's never going to fly because the job of the federal government is to 
provide security for this nation, period. Once again, I said, we agree that the oath is an oath. So if you agree on that, then you're going to be guilty of uh, treason if you know that this is an invasion. It is. I mean, how many deaths of Americans sometimes, and this is going to be ugly, but hacked to death. We've heard of stories that uh, raped by illegals coming in, doing this. How many warrants this invasion? I mean, at what point do we say this is enough? Yeah. Really kind of amazing. Uh, last question for you, Dr. Chambers, is is yeah. your expectation that this will proceed peacefully and will it end here? I mean, if Abbott, who clearly has been committed to open borders in effect, if not in word, if he doesn't secure the Texas border, like what happens next? Well, there has to be some teeth in this in this declaration of, of emergency. Uh, he hasn't declared emergency uh, border invasion that has to be we have to declare the, the cartels actually terrorist organizations foreign terrorist organizations transnational criminals and then we have to go after that because until we do that there's no teeth in this there's there's none right now it'll be us standing in the line protecting our individual properties which we have a right to but it's not how it be as far as the convoy it's going to go over fine and there's going to be those naysayers i'm not worried about that that's we don't put our worries in that yeah. Well, I hope they don't infiltrate it like they did January 6th and make you look like terrorists. They um, may. So Godspeed. Mm -hmm. Dr. Pete Chambers, thank you very much for joining us. I appreciate it. Yes, sir.